Good afternoon. This is Rich Nass, Executive Vice President with Open Systems Media and leader of the Embedded Computing Design franchise, here for this week's Embedded Executive Podcast. This week, my guest is Piyush Savalier, and he is the Executive Vice President of SciTime. How are you doing, Piyush? Hey, I'm great. Thanks for having me on the podcast. My pleasure, my pleasure. Um, so I wanted to talk to you about 5G. So um, hopefully this is in your wheelhouse, but one of the issues I have with, with 5G is something that's extremely obvious. Um, you have to have more radios because the range is not nearly what it is for 4G. So let's just say twice as much for simplicity's sake. If, you're, if you have to have twice as many radios, are you saying that you'll have twice as many points of failure? <laughs> that's a great question. Uh, you know, uh, it, uh, that's the first time I've been asked that question. But if you look at it from a, a, a point of view where you have to use components and design components that are more robust and reliable, then you address those problems and nip them, nip them in the bud. Uh, I have a theory. Uh, electronics has obviously transformed the way we live. Uh, and we are on our third wave of electronics. The first wave was in the 80s uh, when office environments were getting a lot of electronics, routers, uh, PCs, stuff like that. The second wave came, uh, and that wave continued on into the 90s. The second wave came in the mid-2000s uh, when smartphones took off and electronics went outdoors, out of the uh, you know, temperature-controlled office environment into the street, but it was still connected to humans. So there was still an element of temperature control, and it was not really subject to stresses, environmental stresses, the things we face every day, like shock, vibration, temperature changes, thunder, lightning, things like that. Now with the deployment of 5G, with the deployment of automotive, with the deployment of sensors and IoT, electronics is going to be subject to the forces of nature, so to speak. And in that kind of environment, it really has to be very robust and reliable, and especially in things like 5G where, uh, for example, autonomous driving is going to depend on it. Uh, medical conference calls are going to depend on it, things like that. So there are some life dependency situations where 5G is going to be the bandwidth pipe and it has to be up and it has to be reliable. <clears throat> One of the things that these environmental stressors does is impact the, the timing because timing is the heartbeat of all electronics and it relies on a mechanical vibrating element as a reference. So mechanical forces obviously impact mechanical vibrating elements and so one has to be very careful about choosing the right timing component uh, that can withstand these mechanical forces out there, the forces of the environment. And, and that's something that we bring to the equation a, uh, a lot. I mean, we, side times MEMS timing solutions uh, are designed to be much more robust and reliable than anything that is out there, which can handle these environmental shock and uh, environmental stressors like shock, vibration, temperature changes, thunder, lightning, things like that, and come out on the other side and keep the system up and running. So I think it depends on what kind of components you select. Timing is clearly a key part of this. There may be other components that you select that may have to withstand these environmental forces a lot more. For example, transformers. Uh, for example, isolation components, things like that. And I think the entire industry is looking at this. 
So one of the things I've learned in my years is that there's a downside to everything. So you, you talked about the side time solution as being much more robust than anything else that's out there. What's the trade-off? Uh, one of the trade-offs that you do make is uh, that with side time, uh, you basically may get a solution that is, <laughs> I guess, so much better than somebody else that you don't have a second source, so to speak, right? Now, on one hand, customers have been used to getting second sources. But on the other hand, uh, if a, somebody is solving your problem, whatever it is, then you can't really rely on a second source. So it's not really a trade-off or a problem per se. It's just that you'll have to basically accept that, listen, there isn't a second source to this kind of stuff because it's solving a problem. I mean, for example, a vibration resistance is like uh, four times better than any quartz component or our temperature and airflow changes resistance. We call it DFDT, change of frequency versus temperature, is 20 mm -hmm. times better than somebody else. You're just not going to get another component like that. And, and you're going to, I guess you're just going to have to deal with that. Uh, I mean, on the flip side, we make it easier for the customer because we are a semiconductor company. We basically have inventory in the channels. We can manufacture to upsides very quickly because we have a semiconductor infrastructure. So we can react very quickly with short lead times and get you the parts that you need. So to me, it's a perception of a trade-off. Some people, especially uh, uh, some, of the, uh, some of the supplier management people may consider this to be a problem, but we take care of them in terms of making sure we always have product to uh, get to them in the manner in the timeline that they need it. Okay, that sounds good. So one of the things we talk about with 5G is it seems like it's been a year away for like six or seven years now. Um, you're sort of in the catbird seat with respect to when we can expect widespread deployment. When do you see this happening? The deployment's actually happening now. Uh, we, I mean, we, I read news articles about this uh, where China's deploying, Korea's deploying. Uh, there are some parts of Europe and North America that are deploying also. I think the distinction that comes in is there are two aspects to 5G deployment. Uh, one aspect is uh, clearly, uh, well, one aspect is when is millimeter wave going to come? Because everybody associates 5G with millimeter wave. And mm -hmm. I suspect that that's a few, uh, that's a year, two years maybe out there still. Uh, but all the six gigahertz spectrum, this deployment's happening right now. And people are actually, um, in, and on the, on the client side, the cell, phone, cell phones are also available right now with uh, the, subs, uh, the six gigahertz or so. I forget the exact, uh, the exact frequency uh, there. But people are deploying that right now. Uh, millimeter wave is a more complicated problem. Um, it introduces even shorter distances. I mean, you, you mentioned earlier twice as many radios are needed. We have heard numbers as high as 10 to 20 times as many radios that might be needed. Uh, but millimeter wave uh, certainly introduces other challenges. Not only is the number of radios and coverage uh, going to have to be planned more effectively and efficiently, 
but it also introduces heat into the system. Um, and so therefore, we think uh, these kind of more robust solutions uh, that we offer uh, play a big role in, in helping customers uh, overcome the problems that they are seeing today or that they will see into the future. Okay, let me re-ask my question a little differently. Uh, since we spend almost all of our time in the embedded space, um, when do you <coughs> – excuse me, when would you expect to see this as a mainstream in embedded? And I've heard everything from 24 months to 10 years. And I'm talking mainstream, not at the leading edge. Yeah, um, I don't have a good answer for you, honestly. What I do know, what I've heard is the same kind of ranges that you've heard, which is anywhere from 24 months to eight years or so. Um, if you look at deployment of 4G, well, 4G deployment started in 2012 or 2013. The, uh, the mainstream, the so-called mainstream, happened in the 16, 17, 18 timeframe. And it depended also on geographies, right? Some countries were earlier, some countries were later than that. My view on this is that there is enough, and, and especially, I mean, not to put too fine a point on it right now, but working from home, I mean, we are bandwidth starved. I mean, even with 100 meg downstream, sometimes I have video problems. So we certainly need the, the bandwidth uh, in, in, these day, in this day and age when we are all working from home. So I suspect that there is going to be a, a significant focus on getting 5G out there. Uh, so um, my suspicion, and I have no idea whether this is, gonna, is true or not, it's only time will tell, but my suspicion is that 5G deployment will likely happen faster than 4G just because of the different environment that we are in and just because of the higher bandwidth that we need. Okay. Well, we are recording, and I'm going to hold you to that. Thank you. We'll have to come Thank back and do much. another podcast uh, in about six months and see whether anything's changed. It's a deal. It's definitely a deal. Thank you, Piyush. This was very, very interesting. Okay. That was Piyush Savalia. He is an Executive Vice President with SciTime, and I am Rich Nass with Open Systems Media. You have a great day, Piyush. Thank you.